Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Startup Diary podcast. This is where we share the experiences of what it's really like to build a business from bootstrapped to VC funded. In this episode, I talk about my experiences of being in the forces and how I relate those experiences back to my personal life and the business that I'm trying to build. Enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome to episode 266 of the Startup Diary podcast. Great to have you guys here joining me, Adam, and my co-host, Harrison Mudge on the mics. Good morning slash evening, depending on when and where you're listening to this. Apologies for the nasaliness. I have a smidgen of a cold coming out the back end of it now, though, so feeling good, If even if I don't sound good. <laughs> for anyone that's listening... Harry never gets ill. Like, you have to be honest with this, this right This is now. like the max illness levels I tend to get to. Still functional. What do you put that down to? Like, do you know when, before you got like fitness, fitness, did you get ill more? Is this just because of the healthy living you do now? I would assume it's down to my, like when you were 17, my healthy lifestyle. Were you getting ill more often? Um, sometimes, not all the time. I've never, okay. I've probably never really been a sicky person anyway, but... Not like I Jordan did, in our I office. Did, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did um, used to get ill more, but I was younger as well, so I don't know. But but yeah, most of the time, I th- I've had the flu a few times. But even then, saying that, I probably recover in like a day or two. Like I'm, I've never been out of work yep. through illness, probably more than two days back to back in a year before. Like it's just, I don't... I don't get ill enough, which sometimes is annoying because it's like, oh, it'd be cool if I could just be like incapacitated <laughs> on the sofa Duvet for two day. days straight. Yeah, but it's never, it's never like bad enough that it's, that it stops me doing anything. It's just really inconvenient that I'm like spluttering and all this. No, that's not too bad. You can hear. That's not too bad. Um, we have a. It's not really a listener question today, but it's something that comes up in conversations that we have, and we have a couple of emails that ask questions, and they go, "Oh, this would be an interesting topic to cover off." When me and Harry did our planning last Sunday, last Sunday, correct, last Sunday, we were going through all the emails that you guys have sent in, uh, and we sort of tagged them and make some notes. And Harry, what's the topic that we we thought this hasn't been directly asked as a question, but it's people obviously <laughs> listen to shows where we spoke about this in the past, yeah. and they would like a little bit more context. Yeah, 100%. You bring it up a few different times in the past. Uh, and it's, what did you learn from the army? Um, is, or what did you take away from it? Some key takeaways. Cool. So just probably to give people a little bit of context is, um, I want to try and pull this into more about how potentially the time I spent uh, in the army um, sort of impacted how I think about challenges and business and bits like that. Um, but probably just to let people know, I actually, I've actually applied twice, um, just for some context, is uh, when I was... <laughs> the other was last week. When I was 18, yeah, just trying to get out of here. Uh, yeah, guys, I've been drafted in, I've got to go. <laughs> Nothing personal, but see you later. Um, so I kind of joined once. I applied to join the Royal Marines um, when I was 18, and that was less around... Uh, any business or financial reasons I just wanted to sort of get away from stuff really there was mm-hmm. nothing majorly happening that was worth running away from but just wasn't keen on my surroundings everyone had gone to university wasn't for me um, ended up uh, sort of spending uh, time on a shovel underneath the M6 uh, when my friends were at uni I was like ah Maybe I've made the wrong life choice. Uh, <laughs> so ended up uh, applying to the Royal Marines went down to Limpston did the three day stuff down there passed that and um, 
end up not actually getting allowed to enter the Royal Marines because they've got this weird thing. So you go to what's called an AFCO, which is an Armed Force Careers Office. You go through all that. You go through all the assessment stuff. Are you smart enough? Are you fit enough? And then you go down to Limpston, which is like three days. Uh, it's called a PRMC, Potential Royal Marines course. And mm-hmm. it's three days, honestly, it's three days of shit. Like it is. Yeah, you've told me some of those stories. It is mental. <laughs> Actually, I'll try and pull it back to one of those stories in a second. If you can just remind me the fetal position and I'll, I'll pull okay. it back to that. Um, but did that and uh, got my certificate, which I've still got very proudly. Um, but if you've got a tattoo past your wrist and above your collar, which I do, um, you have to get it removed. And you'd think the AFCO would tell you about this before sending you down to do the training. Yeah. Um, so... And it's a weird thing with the Royal Marines, actually, is as soon as you've passed uh, what's called King Squad, which is the last two weeks of that training, um, you can have any tattoos you want. And it's sort of like when you're in King Squad, it's like the the last two weeks, you've made it, you're sort of doing all your final exercises, and you're sort of put on a pedestal in the in that community. And I think it's they don't want any tattoos on show for all those photos and bits like sure. that. And then after that, you can get... Anyway, so I was like, ah, oh, shit, that's not good, because tattoos take a while to get removed. And I was like, what's my other options? And they were like, well, you can join the army. I was like, okay, cool, we'll do the army. And then I ended up applying for uh, military intelligence. So did that long, to be honest, I had a day job uh, for about 18 months while I was going through that process. It was really, really long. Um, So did that, went down to Purbright. Um, Is that like weekend training things that you you did to- No, no, sorry, that that was, um, so the- the actual assessment Weekend, stuff. it sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was like one summertime, it was great. Uh, no, so you, you sort of, you, you do the application and then you have to go and do some fitness tests and bits like that. And because of the, the nature of wanting to join military intelligence, um, not to blow and trumpet, but it's got one in 400 acceptance rate. Um, so you have to go and do assessments like in different places throughout the country to go and, so one day it's basically like an IQ and team assessment test where they put you in a room with everyone, all the other candidates and they give you problems to solve. Stuff like that that you have to do a number of those. Is there like a really abstract one where there's not enough chairs in the room and they're actually <laughs> testing how you divide the chairs amongst the people in there? In, no, no. In the, the, there was some really. <laughs> or does someone throw you a football and see how you catch it, sort of thing? No, <laughs> it's like it's like uh, they give you like a te- like they give you like a here's ten things you need to know about this scenario, um, and then they ask you to build a plan around that sort of thing. But what was really weird about it is the people that they knew weren't capable. They didn't wait till the end. They were like, John, can we have a quick chat with you? Da, da, da. They pulled them out of the room. And obviously it's like, it's not for you. And they never came back into the room. Uh, so it was like, it was really interesting. Um, <laughs> it's like Men in Black, that is. <laughs> yeah, but Come talking on. about Men in Black, I'm, at this point in time, I'm working at Keystone in Swaddling Co. And the last sort of stage when you go through all this, they kind of go into every element of your life to do like a assessment of who you are. Mm. So two vehicles rocked up to Keystone, Lintels and Swaddling Coat, and they just walked upstairs and they're like, can we have access to a room, please? Use the boardroom. And I went... Oh, on site They then. came onto site. They like... asked me to come down into the... And they went through every element of my life. Wow. Um, and it's like... And they're like, this is where you have to just be truthfully honest, da-da-da, go through everything. And they ask you questions like, what porn are you into? Like, literally ask you... And it's one... It's like... I think it's... Grab a pen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like browsing history. It's like, oh. Uh, How long you got? <laughs> but it's like it's like little things like that that are actually seeing just how honest and truthful you can be. Mm. There's three people sitting at the other side of the table and they're asking you some really awkward questions. Um, but it's like... A, and you can imagine the question is like, do you gamble? I'm like, ooh. <laughs> I like a bit of poker. Let's go into this one. So that was an interesting topic. Um, but but it, that's more of an assessment on you. Yes. Not... not 
the porn that you like or the gambling addiction oh, that you used it, to have. <laughs> so, like if, but no, no, if, exactly. But being yeah, able if to I be used honest, to be a say, drug addict, it's like it's actually yes, you're clean. You've been clean five years, but can you talk to someone about it and can you be honest yeah. about it, sort of thing. Um, so did that, and the reason I wanted to join the army then was. At that point in time, I've been working as an area sales manager and I knew I wanted to start my own business. And we come out with some really interesting shows right now, which is like how you can pre-fund a business and how you can pre-validate it and like Kickstarter, get your clients to pay for it. I know none of that. The reason that I know that now is because I've been doing this for five years. But back then I was like, I need to start, I want to start a business. So dad's entrepreneurial. I've got, I've realized that I've got that in me and that's the itch. And I'm like, ha, and I can't get rid of that itch. I'm like, I really want to do something myself and be my own boss so i actually need money for it and i don't have any money like i don't have any money at this point in time so i was like oh, how do i get money so the reason that i end up going for military intelligence is one of the highest paying jobs in the forces uh, you're away for anywhere from nine months a year when you're away you can't spend the money so i just did the math literally did the math so i was like okay if i do this for four years so join do that i can save this cool i come out with a wedge and i'm like then i'll take that wedge and then i'm gonna go and build a business that's the reason I joined the army, just to give some mm. context to people why I actually end up doing it. So in the army, sort of a couple of different stages, application, go down to do your phase one training. And it's sort of at the end of phase one where you have to sign the dotted line, which is like, I'm in here for like, like a th two year contract. Three or and a half it, it was. It yeah, for, I, I don't know whether it changes, lack of knowledge, I don't know whether it changes yeah, depending on role. Yeah. Like if like uh, if you're a squaddy or wh whatever the terms are, mm. like, I don't know enough now to talk about it. Uh, but depending on what the roles are, I, I assume, because they have to put different levels of investment in people. Mm. Um, so it was like three and a half years for me. Um, so I did, I don't know, four and a half months, phase one or four months, whatever it was. Um, and from that period, it was an it was a genuinely an amazing time. I loved it. I loved the day to day element of it. Uh, but a couple of things have taken place in my life uh, that that sort of made me become a little bit self aware. So I've actually made some notes for this one because I thought it was an oh. interesting one. Uh, so I'm going to go through them. So there's a very generic one that you learn, and I presume it's across all elements of the army. Uh, and it's not really related to business, but I think it just gives you an insight to how structures. In a previous show, we've spoke about our company values. Mm -hmm. Uh, so when you think about the army, they have uh, seven, I think it is, six, six, okay. So there's six things that are on posters in a lot of the, the rooms that you're in. And it's called C drills. Uh, so the only thing that I want to mention on this to try and pull it back to business for people is when you tell someone the company mission, actually this is, this is coming full circle. When you tell people the company mission and they tell people the values of the company, it's very easy to forget them because they can often be a little bit wishy-washy mm. or even if you've been told them like we're talking now, unless you're getting it pounded in your face all the time, it's not top of mind yeah. for you. And I think one thing that the army did really well is they explained and they, they dictated exactly what the values are of being in the forces. Uh, and I really respected that in terms of how they not just told you, but how they displayed it wherever you went around your camp. Uh, so they had C drills, so it stood for like courage, Oh, now you're testing me. Uh, courage, discipline, respect, integrity, loyalty, and selflessness. So when you're coming into like week one, week two, week three, you're taught exactly what these mean, and then they put them all around you. So the stuff that I showed you the other day, and I've never really put the two together, the values that we have at Expert Trades, those seven core company values, I've got designed into <coughs> posters, and we're putting up in the office. So just to pull that back is, I'd say one of the things that I've learned is work out exactly what the values are for the business that you're in. Uh, 
Um, communicate them to the team, but don't expect them to remember them. So we've got them in our all hands meeting now. They're going to be on the walls and it's just making sure that you keep pushing that into people, yeah. uh, especially when new starters come on. Even if you've said it 50 times before, the person that starts next week in the company has never heard it before. So it's just making sure that you're constantly communicating the values of what mm. it is to be a part of your organization. Um, next point I've made um, is, uh, actually I'll, I'll save that one to the end because it kind of wraps it up. Uh, importance of leadership. So being in a corporate company before, I was an area sales manager. And having a line manager, everyone has, everyone knows you have to report back into your line manager, the work that they set you, you do. But there's, it's very different being a manager and a leader. Uh, and probably everyone, have you seen that um, that thing with the like a manager like the cracking the whip or you, yeah. leading the charge sort of thing? There's, um, it's the difference between a boss and a leader. Isn't it? That's it. Yeah. yeah. And the, and a boss is someone that's cracking the whip while Tell, the shouting others are, people, telling what them to do. I think the image is something like a crowd of people either holding him up or pushing like something. Yes, yeah, like, so, not a sleigh. It's not Santa. It's, it's basically it's basically everyone else either pushing or pulling or carrying the boss yep. in one way or another. Whereas being a leader, the leader is at the front at of the, front. the charge, doing the same thing as everyone else. Hundred percent. And I I really. I know the way that the corporate structure always worked, just having my old jobs. Mm. But being in the army was the first time that I ever really understood the importance of leadership. Mm. Because you've got, I think there was like 22, 23 people in our um, area, don't know what to call it, um, that were under one person's sort of lead. There's 22 people there that are, they've never met. They're in very weird circumstances in terms of, uh, your lifestyle's completely changed. What you eat's changed. When you get up, is changed. Everything in your life has changed overnight, which is uh, it's like it's like hard to take, it's like hard to compute, really. Um, and then you've got a guy who you don't really like because he's an arsehole. Um and he was an he was truly an arsehole. <laughs> like he was. Um, but I really understood the difference between um, when you've got a leader, you don't have to like them all you have to do is respect them. And that's something that I've tried to take away into the business, which I'm not very good at right now, but I think it's something that I'll learn over time, which is sometimes with clients or with staff, I play too much to actually, I want you to like me because if you like me, you'll respect me. Whereas the thing that I'm trying to get better at and come back to is actually, if you know that I've got your back and I'm trying to, I'm trying to whip you into shape to do the best for you, then you'll respect me. So regardless whether you like me, I, all I need you to actually do is respect me. And I think the army do that extremely well. They don't they don't have the time to mess about. And I think when you're thinking about the listeners of this show, most of the people are either thinking about doing a business or they're in a startup. Take that message on board in terms of you actually don't have time to build up really nice, soft relationships. Mm. You have to just get shit done. So it's how do you have transparent one of our core values is embrace conflict and communicate with candor take that on board into your own company because that's how you get stuff done fast and that's where that core value comes from me it's been the army it's you respect the person you're going to get done you have direct conversations and you embrace the conflict that might happen because at the end of the day if we respect each other we know we're driving mm. towards the same goal um so that was that was one for me um 
third of the four things I want to talk about was just the mental game of being in, in the forces. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, this, like what your days look like when you're doing phase one, it's sort of a mix of three things. You sort of, you're learning discipline. You're learning like how to get up on time. Uh, you're learning how to, I'm a fucking ninja with an iron. Probably not that good with a gun. Never got that far. Actually went to the range twice. But you give me an iron and I'm a ninja. And you you have to do these things like every single morning you have an inspection of your, your cupboard. And you've seen it in films and mm. it is the truth. Like if there is dirt on the bottom of your shoe that you haven't taken off with the... Your to- you have a, not your real toothbrush, but you have a, you have a tooth- <laughs> it's not like that. You have a toothbrush to like clean your shoes and, and do all that. Uh, and I could probably post some stuff on Instagram, which is like my cupboards and stuff in the army. And they're like spotless. But as soon as it's like there's something there that they're not happy with, or there's dirt or something, it's not a you've done 80% well done. It's you've won or you've lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's that stressful mental game of actually... Uh, so they just used to rip it all down. You spent three hours at night ironing. You go to bed at 2, 2.30 ironing and you'd have an inspection at five o'clock and then you get everything ripped down and you had to get it all fixed by seven o'clock before you leave. Like there's all this stuff. And I was like, these guys are just dickheads. Like, why are they doing this? And it turns out it's because all they're trying to do is build your mental strength up. Like, because every day, whether it's in business, whether it's in life, entrepreneurship in the army, you're going to get knockbacks every single day. And you can do two things. You can bitch and moan about it, but that doesn't change anything. So it teaches you this thing, regardless of what happens to you, you just take the next step forward. And actually, uh, I just want to pull this back to the story. It's just a complete side note that I mentioned. So when is we did- the fetal position? The fetal, so when we did the, um, so as part of the PRMC, uh, the, the fitness assessment for Marines, you do this thing, you do this like seven mile run. And it's like, a lot of it's on your belly and you're crawling and you have to go through what's called the sheep's dip, which is like a, you might've seen it on some of the adverts. It's like a water tunnel. So you have to go submerge yourself in the water and then go through a tunnel. I don't do well underwater in confined spaces. It's not for me, but we had to do that. Um, the feet position is only a side note to it. So as we're running around, one guy just literally drops to the floor uh, and he curls up in a ball uh, and he goes, I, I want to go home. And he just shouts at the top of a voice, take me home, take me home, take me home. He's just done. Donezo. Oh, wow. They covered him up with a silver sheet and everyone just <laughs> <laughs> This is the God's honest truth. And everyone just then was like, as soon as he went down, everyone stopped their running and came back. And, it's to the point where the PTs are like, everyone keep running and no one did because we knew that they valued the fact that you help your oppo more than anything else. So everyone stopped, went back, tried to help. And as soon as they were like, no, he's done, he's off the program because it's for a three-day test. Everyone's like, okay, cool, see you later. And we just went. Anyway, we got to the end of this run and everyone is dying. Like it is horrendous. <laughs> like we're all look in the worst shape of our lives. And there's a... So it was like a three, four mile drive to get to where we have to do the run. So when we got to the park, was, we, we started in the car park, did the run, came back full loop, ended up getting water and a bit of soup at the end. Uh, and he's like, he's like, okay guys, uh, you know you know the pace we've got to run at? I can't remember what it was. It's like a seven minute mile or an eight minute mile. He's like, guys, okay, last bit of the test, eight minute mile back to camp. If, you, if, you're four, if you're four behind and you used to have a little like a Jeep follow you and if the Jeep caught you up, you had to go into the Jeep and you failed the test. So we'd done that the day before. He's like, okay. And everyone's like, what you told us this is the end. You told us that we finished at the car park. He's like, regardless of what I tell you, it's a four mile run back to camp, eight minute mile. If you end up in the Jeep, you're going home today. It was like, who's up for it? And the guys that are like, this is where you just put your hand up. It's like, yeah, fucking, yeah, whatever, let's go. Yeah, and this is, this is where I'm coming back to this mental game is regardless of where you think your end point is and when you think you're done, you're never done. Mm. So 
this is the God's honest truth is like there was like 14 of us left <laughs> and we started off with 40 on day one it's amazing how quickly people dropped off uh, and like out the 14 of us like half of us were like yeah let's go well, we're here to do this so put your hand up and half of them were like no I can't, I can't make an eight minute mile uh, and they were like and they just got in the wagon and they were like okay all you guys in that wagon you're going home all you guys put your hand up get in that wagon we're driving back to camp you're on and we don't have to run back, yeah. but they were testing your ability to just keep going. And I think one thing that I learned is regardless of what you do in life, wherever you think you are, whenever you think you're done, you're not. Have you seen that thing where it's like a really like a generic thing that people do when they're doing talks where it says, everyone put your hand, have you seen this? Everyone put, do this for me now. Put your hand in the sky as high as you can get it. Okay, good. Go a little bit higher. That. That's what like people do when they do presentations. I'm not sure if it drifted down it, no, when it, I first it, started though. <laughs> no, so I don't, I don't, I don't, but, I don't but guys, if you're listening to the podcast right now, put your hand in the air. And if I tell you to then get it an inch higher, you can, you just have to put a little bit more mm. effort into it. And what that thing that people do, it's to show you that you always have a little bit more in the tank. Uh, and one thing that I learned from the army is regardless when you think you're done, you just have to put one more step forward. Regardless of how business is going or whatever you're doing, as long as you put the one step forward, you just keep moving forward. And that's one thing that I took away from the army and I just deploy into every area of my life now. Um, Some sound advice. Yeah, like it got me thinking. When we started, I was like, okay, let me have a think. And I made, made a couple of notes. I, th I think because it's the army, I think the delivery of some of these quite good lessons comes across a little harsh or a little stern to yep. the point where you think I think they're just they're just berating you just for the sake of it but I think that is a very uh, it's a, again another image you've probably seen online is two the like two miners trying to um, mine for diamonds yep and and they're both at the same point. One of them's given up and walked back. The yeah. other's still going, and like an inch or two further, and there's just a, a big gold. collection yeah. of diamonds. Yeah, you, you don't. And it's like, like you, you say, if you give up, you, you'll never. You don't know how close you were. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, I think your point's right. Is when we all hated being there, but we were all there, and we actually hated being there together, which brought the team together. Do you know what I mean? It was like a, a shared thing. Um, Two more things for me. Uh, one, it taught me the importance of, we spoke about values, but it spoke me the importance of a mission. So when the team know the mission, the team get together. Uh, and one thing that I try and, and it's not something that I think I'm bad at, but it's something that I need to get better at, is aligning the team to one mission. And we do that a little bit better now with our focus, our core values, our KP, like our all hands meeting. Um, but it's making sure that if everyone's on the same page and you know what you're trying to achieve, it's like, as an exercise, we have to get this log over that wall. As long as everyone in the team knows we have to get the log over the wall, we can work together to get the mm. log over the wall. And it's just the importance of aligning the team to one mission compared to having, we need to we need to do these ex this exercise and one guy runs off because he thinks it's a sprint. One guy is struggling with a log over the wall. One guy's doing press-ups. That's sort of what some <laughs> businesses can be like. It's, we all want to do something. So we're all working really hard. Mm. One guy's sprinting as hard as he can. One guy's got a lot like, that's what some businesses like. That's what ours has been like in the past. Mm. But until you align everyone, it goes, actually, you get that end, you get that end. You two guys get in the middle and you go around the other side to make sure there's no one that this log's going to land on and we're all good. Teamwork. It showed me, and I wanted to put this as teamwork, but it's actually aligning the team to one mission because that's the only way you really get teamwork. Um, and the last thing for me on this was self-awareness. 
you were there when we had a party, like a leaving party for me, down at the Angel with my dad. My dad was proud as punch. Um, dad's ex-military, uh, so did the Navy. Uh, for me, going into the army, everyone was like super proud that I'd chosen to do that. And whether they liked it or not, they thought, cool, fair play. Uh, and my dad was super proud. My mom was proud, uh, worried, but proud. Uh, because at that point in time, I sort of had a really good education, then went and worked on a shovel underneath the M6 and got into military intelligence. They thought, like, if you imagine like mm. a really high, really low, cool, he's applying his smarts and he's doing something that's interesting and I respect. I remember sitting on a toilet seat four months into being at Purbright and crying <laughs> because I knew it wasn't for me. I was surrounded by people that were there for queen and country, put a roof over my head and feed me and I'm here for life. And I was like, I just want the cash. I want to start my own business. I want to, I want to build something for me. I don't, I respect you guys, but like, I'm not here for queen and country. And someone that's listening to this right now, if you're in the forces, I love and respect everything that you do, but that's not, that wasn't my motivation going in. So when I knew that I, it wasn't for me, then I started to go, fuck it, I've got to do it. Like everyone's counting on me to do it. Like, I've just got to do the three and a half years and then get out and stick to the game plan. My ego is so, my, my ego, I've still got a big ego. My ego was much bigger then. I was m much less self-aware, but that was the turning point for me. We actually might've mentioned it actually when we did the Javelina episode. I'd never really thought about it until then. Javelina. Javelina, <laughs> apologies. That was the first time that I actually deployed some self-awareness and I actually said, I'm not prepared to give up three and a half years of my life because I don't want to save face. I'm not prepared to give up three and a half years of my life to save face with the people where I have to go, actually guys, it wasn't for me. I'm coming back home four months later after everyone was like, cool. That was one of the hardest things I've ever mm. had to do, but look where we are today. And I think anyone, if you're in a day job and you want to start your own business, work it out, but don't just do stuff because either someone's counting on you uh, it's what your parents want you to do. Your dad's a doctor, your mum's a doctor. You've got to be a doctor. Bullshit. No, you don't. You can go be a starving artist. Just do what you care about. Don't live your life because other people have expectations of you. As soon as I got that into place, it was an absolute game changer for me. So that is, they're probably the four or five things that I took away from the army and that I try and deploy into my personal life as well as business every single day. Hmm, strong advice. Um, I think just on that last point, I think it's a, it was a combination of obviously people that are expecting something of you and then the perception of being a failure because you didn't stick to what you said you were going to or, or attempting to achieve. 100%. Like going, like going home on the train, I still remember it. I went to the, the train station at Purbright. I bought a can of Foster's I brought a large can of of all of can all of the drinks. It was a little, it was a little station <laughs> shop, and it was a large, it was a very large bar of dairy milk nut, can of Fosters, and a pack of crisps. Uh, and no one knew I, no one knew I'd quit. Yeah. No one knew I'd quit. Um, and having that, to be honest, so when, so when you got home, yeah. did you just rock up at home? Yeah, I did that. Mum and dad's at the time. No, I went back to Sarah okay. first. So my girlfriend at the time, now my wife. Um, and that's one of the things that's happening in the sideline behind all this is I'd never met Sarah before I applied. Mm. So I met Sarah as I was applying for the army. I got in and she knew I was joining. So we thought it would just be like a five, six, nine month fling and then I'd go. Uh, then we got serious. Uh, but yeah, I did that movie thing where I just went and knocked on the door and she just broke down. Uh, she didn't know I was coming back. But just to pull it back a little bit is one thing it did actually help me understand is 
when I look back at the army, they were all dickheads, the guys that tell us what to do, but they deeply cared, mm. which is why it's the respect and like. Because when I went to speak to the corporal, I was like, this isn't for me. And he was like, come and have a chat. And I told him what was going through my head and told him where I'm at. And I was like, I feel like an imposter. I'm not here for the right reasons, da, da, da. He was like, listen, because I, I had a back thing. And when people say, why'd you leave? It was nothing to do with my back. It was just, I just, I hurt my back while I was there. He was like, listen, go into remedial, spend a week in remedial. Have, and that's purely just to sort your back out, but most importantly, to have a think. I'm not going to try and convince you either way after what you've told me. Have a week without being part of all this. You've seen what it's going to be like for the next four years. Then come back and talk to me. Did that, went back and spoke to him, and he was like as good as gold and respected me. Sometimes you've got to have really tough conversations, and they are always easier than you think. Like, I built it in my head for four weeks saying, I need to go speak to my corporal, can't do it, can't do it. He's going to like berate me. Mm -hmm. He's going to think I'm a fucking puss. Like, he's going to like think I'm a failure. It's never, it's, it's every hard conversation you build up in your head is harder mm -hmm. than you think it's going to be. Uh, so, because people can tell that you're just not just, yeah, you, yeah you, just you, all about you're speaking honesty, from the heart and that it's a genuine dilemma that you were in. Yeah. So, 100%. Um, yeah, I think I'll just leave it there. That's the stuff that I just wanted to get across. As cool. I probably went a little bit longer and deeper than I expected, but uh, loads of learnings from that. And I think one of these summaries is hopefully, guys, you guys have taken something away from this. Uh, but most importantly, is <sighs> business is a, it, business is part of your life. It's not everything. Okay, uh, so just make sure that whatever you're doing, you're enjoying. Um, and try and take some of the stuff that we spoke about today and deploy it not just into your business but into your personal life and I would love to hear from you guys in terms of what resonated uh, and if you make any changes off the back of this or if you've ever been in a similar situation uh, or if you are now drop us a line Harry how do they how do they follow up with us they email questions at startupdiary.club Guys, we're going to leave it there. Thanks for being a subscriber of the show. If you're not yet, smash that subscribe button and stay. Smash it good. <laughs> and we will see you <laughs> next time.